My name is Kara Marie Morris, and I'm the host of the Words in Season podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. And this week, I want to talk about what does it mean to pray for those who have not yet heard or those who have not yet believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Remember that every time that you open the Bible, that Jesus Christ has a word in season for you. So in this week's episode, I want to talk about something that is the ultimate goal of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what is that goal? That goal is to reach the lost, to reach those who haven't heard or haven't heard. Maybe they have heard with their ears, but they haven't heard it in their heart yet. Or maybe they have, haven't heard in their heart that it's something that you can do and you can pray for yourself. You can receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And something that is so vastly complex, how does this all work? Will Jesus reveal the wisdom of God on how to return, receive eternal life through him? Forgiveness? And, and closing that gap of separation between man and God that was there because of sin entering into the world. And something so simple. He gave us what it means to, to receive this eternal salvation, this eternal life, and this quality of life that starts the moment that we receive salvation, the moment that we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So what is this revelation of this mystery? It was Jesus Christ himself. And in Romans 10, in Romans 10, he revealed this complex mystery into something simple that we as humans could understand. And in, in uh, Romans 10, starting in verse 8, it says, But what does it say? The word of God, God's message in Christ is near you. It's on your lips and in your heart. That is this message of faith which we preach. And what is this message of faith? It is because when we acknowledge with our lips and that Jesus Christ is Lord and in our hearts believe that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. For it is with the heart that a person believes and trusts in Christ and so is justified, declared righteous and acceptable to God with the mouth that he confesses and speaks openly and confirms his salvation. So as man has tried for eternity, has tried since the beginning of time to be right with God, and people say there's many ways to God, and people have said, well, if you just work hard enough and if you're just a good person, but God, the creator of the universe, he said this vastly complex thing called eternal life, it is so simple. All you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died, and that he is alive today. That is the example that Jesus Christ gave us. And so now, as Christians, those that have done that, what do we do to reveal this complex and yet the best news ever? Sometimes, in my mind, I can override my spirit whenever he's the, the Holy Spirit is prompting me to talk to someone at work or talk to someone that I see out in public about this gospel, about this, because I think, oh, they're not going to understand, or maybe I don't have the right words, or maybe they're smarter than me and they'll out, I'm afraid that they'll out, out talk me. But God has given us 
an assignment. Jesus gave us an assignment as he dis gave it to his disciples when he was still on the earth. That assignment has still been given to us. When we think there's people, of course, there's people in our workplace, there's people in our family, there's people all over the world that have yet to believe. And it can be so overwhelming. How in the world am I living in my little town, working my little job? How in the world could I make a difference in the life of a lost person? And of course, we know that first of all, we can be the Bible that they read. We can be a witness and praise the Lord, we know that we're not perfect, but praise God, He is the one that has justified us and allowed us to progress by His grace. As we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we're saying, God, I can't do this life alone. And we're able to be that to other people. So that's the first thing we can do. We can be Jesus Christ in our example, in our words, in our actions. But what's something else I can do that will have an eternal effect on a global scale? We can do what Jesus Christ said. And what did Jesus say? He said, and from Luke's account in chapter 10 and verse 2, Jesus said to them, the harvest is indeed ab abundant and there is much ripe grain, but the farmhands are few. So pray therefore that the Lord of the harvest will send laborers into his harvest. Jesus hadn't died at this moment yet, but he called it his harvest. He was calling it his father's harvest. That is the whole reason why he sent Jesus Christ to the earth was to reconcile and to bridge the gap that was created because of the separation of sin that Adam and Eve from the beginning brought into the world because they decided we know better than God the Creator and it brought separation between the Creator and the creation and God said I'm gonna make a way I have already made a way and there will be a way for them to come back into fellowship with me that we are made in his image and likeness so that we can be restored to that fellowship again so we looked at it right at the beginning Romans 10 9 and 10 this super complex thing the thing that I can make complicated in my head that people have written books about forever and that people will, will always be learning about this complicated this many complicated sided wisdom this thing called salvation and yet God makes it simple enough. It says in the word of God that he has revealed those things that would confound the wise to the simple, to the children. He said to have that childlike faith that whatever your father says that you believe it. So he made it simple enough so that we could understand. And as we understand it, we are able to make an impact on an eternal and global scale. As of course, in our little world, being Jesus Christ in the earth and allowing him to shine through us, even though sometimes, man, it feels like that's the last thing you wanna do. The last thing you wanna do is speak that kind word or be that encouragement or to be the one that doesn't complain at work. But God gives us the ability, the enablement, the grace to do it. But what else does he do? He allows us to affect the eternal salvation. He enables us to be part of his plan by praying for the lost. 
praying for the thing that is the most important and has the most value to him, people. And it makes me think back in, in Luke chapter 4, you know, he went to his hometown and they were, he picked up the scroll and he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears that I'm the one that has come to fill, fulfill all of these messianic promises about I'm the one that's here to heal the sick and to bring salvation. And the people said, he knew, he could perceive their hearts. And this is in Luke 4, 23. Jesus is, he says, he said to them, you will doubtless quote me this old proverb, physician, heal yourself. For what we have learned by hearing you did in Capernaum, do also here in your own hometown. And then he said solemn, solemnly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable and welcome in his own country. So sometimes we say to that to people, we say, physician, heal yourself. He, this was Jesus quoting an old proverb. And in his context, he was saying, he knew what their hearts were saying. He was saying they were expecting him to, to perform and to do what they want and to come the way they expected him to come. And they were taunting him and they were treating him as not having the value that he really had. And sometimes I have to watch myself. I have to be careful and to treat people with the value that God sees them. I don't want to treat the lost as physician heal thyself. And what are you, what are you saying, Kara? Physician heal thyself to the lost. I don't want to say to the lost, just haven't you got it together yet? Haven't you figured it out yet? Why are you acting like that? Why do you sound like that? Why are, why are the symptoms of your life? Why does it look like that? I don't want to say to the lost physician, heal thyself because Jesus said, I didn't come for the righteous, but I came for the erring ones. I came for the sick. I came for the broken. And that is our part as the Christian, as being his example in the earth of him leaving us the third person of the Holy Spirit. Now we have been entrusted to go and to preach the good news. And we no longer say, oh, physician, heal thyself. Lost, aren't you gonna save yourself? No, we say, Jesus, we have the opportunity to be a part of someone's eternal salvation by being an example, but also by getting on our knees and by praying, praying for his harvest and to develop the same heart that he has for other people. In Jude 23, it says, strive to save others, snatching them out of the fire. On the sake of, for the sake of others, take pity with fear and loathing, even the garment spotted by the flesh and polluted by their sensuality. It says, strive to save others. What does that sound like? That sounds like praying for the harvest. We have the privilege and the opportunity to be a part of people's eternal salvation by praying for the harvest. It doesn't cost me anything other than my time. It doesn't cost me anything other than my willingness to yield to him. But the rewards are eternal. And then in Proverbs, Proverbs 24, it says, Deliver those who are drawn away to death and to those who totter to the slaughter and hold them back from their doom. We have the opportunity here on earth while we are still here, while we still have breath in our lungs. Sometimes I know when I was younger, I would think, you know, I thought you had to go through this phase in life where you 
journaled and you tried to figure out what you were here for and you tried to figure out what the meaning of life was following the world and following movies and following worldly songs of people trying to find themselves but here it is this is where i finally found myself and part of that is keeping people from their death people keeping people from eternal damnation second peter 3 9 it says and the lord does not delay and is not tardy or slow about what he promises according to some people's conception of slowness but he is long-suffering and extraordinarily patient toward you not desiring that any should perish but that all should come to repentance praise the lord i i usually think of this as he's extraordinarily patient with me in a way that when i mess up i can always come back to him or when before i was born again he was waiting on me to receive salvation and all those things are true but also we can see this as Christians. He's extraordinarily patient. Why? Because how does he get his work done? Through the church. It says through the church that God reveals that many complicated sided wisdom. It's revealed through us. And he's extraordinarily patient that we would pray for his harvest. Again, in Luke 10, it says, Jesus is saying, Luke 10, Luke 10 and verse 2, it says, And then he said to them, The harvest is indeed abundant, and there is much ripe grain, but the farmlands are few. So pray, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. His harvest. When a farmer plants a seed, he expects a harvest. And what does he need? It says here he needs laborers. He needs farmhands. So Jesus the Father, the Holy Spirit, they are extraordinarily patient with us so that I will get on board, so that I will be Him in the earth, so that people would want Him, so that regardless of what they've seen before, if they've been burned in church before, if they've been burned by a Christian before, still I say it's worth it. It's worth it for me. It doesn't matter. There's no one that is too far gone. There is, there is always and there always has been hope. There is hope. There always will be hope for the lost because my God, the creator, is extraordinarily patient with them and he's extraordinarily patient with me when I get too busy with my life, when I get distracted, when I forget to pray for the lost. And he allows me to come back and to develop that same heart that he has so that I can pray for his harvest, so that I can reap the reward of the harvest. What is that? First of all, people coming into the kingdom of God. That is the number one reason why we're still here, why Jesus died on the cross for me. But also, it says in Proverbs, it says, those that win souls are wise. I need wisdom. So as I win souls, whether it's me personally or through my prayers or supporting people that do that, thank God I receive wisdom. And then also, there is such thing as a soul winner's crown in heaven. I will receive a soul winner's crown that is a reward in heaven. And of course, I'll take that crown right off and give it right back to him. Give it right back to Jesus Christ, who it belongs to. All the glory and all the honor that he deserves. So the last scripture I want to go to is in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 18 and verse 23. And this, we truly see the heart 
of the Father. Of course, we know John 3.16 that God so dearly loved and greatly prized the world that he sent his own son so that I, so that you, so that all would come in to salvation, this eternal life, this that people make complicated. It's crazy complicated to some people because they're trying to figure it out here. But Jesus makes it so simple, like we looked at the beginning, Romans 10, 9 and 10, that we believe with the heart and confess with our mouth. How does it all work? I don't know. But what I know is that it's truth. How do you know it's truth, Kara? Because it set me free. Truth is the only thing that can set you free. Free from what? From bondage, from sin, from guilt, condemnation, from fear and anxiety. That is how I know that this is the truth of the gospel, because it is has set me free and continues to set me free. When I've allowed myself to go under bondage, whether I start thinking wrong, talking wrong, acting wrong, when I submit myself to the truth, it once again sets me free. So Ezekiel 18 and verse 23, it says, "'Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked,' says the Lord, "'and not rather that he should turn from his evil way "'and return to his God and live.'" He doesn't have any pleasure in the death of the wicked. God doesn't send people to hell. Only our choices keep us separated from God. So again, going back to the very beginning, why and how and is it possible for me to have purpose in life and to pray for the lost? There is always hope because Jesus Christ is our eternal hope as we are his example and by the grace of God people see goodness in us because it's Jesus but secondly we get to partner with him with the Father we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit we get to pray for the lost God is saying have I any pleasure in the wicked going to hell I don't he said I don't in verse 23 he's saying I would rather them turn from their evil and how are they going to turn they're either going to hear it from a person in person or through a book or through tv or social media or through the radio so how do we make sure that they get it how do they make sure that every person has a chance who has ever lived and will ever live by our prayers the prayers of the righteous man those that have right standing with god those prayers our prayers they avail much so we don't see the lost as a, a cause that is no longer worth praying for or worth fighting for but just as jesus told his disciples the lost are worth praying for so thank you for watching the words and season podcast i encourage you to go back and watch more episodes subscribe and share on your social media but most importantly remember that every time you open the bible the word of god that Jesus always has a word in season for you. And God bless you. In summer and winter, in spring and fall, in morning, noon, and evening, you're there through it all. When life's got me weary,